0: chapter 23 of tom swift and his wireless message this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org tom swift and his wireless message by victor appleton chapter 23 a reply in the dark the young inventor looked out of the wireless shack down on the beach he saw the little band of castaways they were gathered in a group about mr jenks who seemed to be talking earnestly to them the two ladies were over near the small building that served as a kitchen more food supplies needed eh mused tom well i don't know where any more is to come from we've stripped the whizzer bare he glanced toward what remained of the airship i guess we'll have to go on short rations until help comes and wondering what the group of men could be talking about tom resumed his clicking out of his wireless message he continued to send it into space for several minutes after ten o'clock the hour at which he usually stopped for the morning for he thought there might be a possible chance that the electrical impulses would be picked up by some vessel far out at sea or by some station operator who could send help but there came no answering clicks to the e i station to earthquake island and. After a little longer working of the key, Tom shut down the dynamo and joined the group on the beach. I tell you it's our only chance, Mr. Jenks was saying. I must get off this island, and that's the only way we can do it. I have large interests at stake. If we wait for a reply to this wireless message, we may all be killed, though I appreciate that Mr. Swift is doing his best to aid us, but it is hopeless. What do you think about it, Tom? asked Mr. Damon, turning to the young inventor think about what why mr jenks has just proposed that we build a big raft and launch it he thinks we should leave the island it might be a good idea agreed the lad as he thought of the scant food supply of course i can't say when a reply will be received to my calls for aid and it is best to be prepared especially as the island may sink any minute added mr parker if it does even a raft will be little good as it may be swamped in the vortex I think it would be a good plan to make one, then anchor it some distance out from the island. Then we can make a small raft and paddle out to the big one in a hurry, if need be. Yes, that's a good idea, too,' conceded Tom. "'And we must stock it well with provisions,' said Mr. Damon. "'Put plenty of water and food aboard.' "'We can't,' spoke Tom quietly. "'Why not? Because we haven't plenty of provisions. That's what I came down to speak about, and the lad related what Mrs. Nestor had said.' then there is but one thing to do declared mr fenwick what asked captain mentor we must go on half rations or quarter rations if need be that will make our supply last longer and another thing we must not let the women folks know just pretend that we're not hungry but take only a quarter or at most not more than a half of what we have been in the habit of taking there is plenty of water thank goodness and we may be able to live until help comes then shall we build the raft asked mr hosbrook it was decided that this would be a good plan and they started it that same day trees were felled with axes and saws that had been aboard the whizzer and bound together in rude fashion with strong trailing vines from the forest a smaller raft as a sort of ferry, was also made this occupied them all that day and part of the next in the meanwhile tom continued to flash out his appeals for help but no answers came the men cut down their rations and when the two ladies joked them on their lack of appetite they said nothing tom was glad that mrs nestor did not renew her request to him to get out the reserve food supply from what remained in the wreck of the airship perhaps mr nestor had hinted to her the real situation the large raft was towed out into a quiet bay of the island and anchored there by means of a heavy rock attached to a rope on board were put cans of water which were lashed fast but no food could be spared to stock the rude craft all the castaways could depend on was to take with them in the event of the island beginning to sink what rations they had left when the final shock should come this done they could only wait and weary was that waiting tom kept faithfully to his schedule and his ear ached from the constant pressure of the telephone receiver he heard message after message flash through space and click on his instrument but none of them was in answer to his on his face there came a grim and hopeless look one afternoon a week following the erection of the wireless station mate fordham came upon a number of turtles he caught some by turning them over on their backs and also located a number of nests of eggs under the warm sands this will be something to eat he said joyfully and indeed the turtles formed a welcome food supply Some fish were caught, and some clams were cast up by the tide, all of which eked out the scanty food supply that remained. The two ladies suspected the truth now, and they, too, cut down their allowance. Tom, who had been sitting with the men in their sleeping shack that evening, rose as the hour of ten approached. It was time to send out the last message of the night and then he would lie down on an improvised couch with the telephone receiver clamped to his ear to wait in the silence of the darkness for the message saying that help was on the way well are you off asked mr damon kindly i wish some of us could relieve you tom oh i don't mind it answered the lad perhaps the message may come tonight. hardly had he spoken than there sounded the ominous rumble and shaking that presaged another earthquake the shack rocked and threatened to come down about their heads we must be doomed cried mr perker the island is about to sink make for the raft wait and see how bad it is counseled mr hosbrook it may be only a slight shock indeed as he spoke the trembling of the island ceased and there was silence the two ladies who had retired to their own private shack ran out screaming and mr anderson and mr nestor hastened over to be with their wives "'I guess it's passed over,' spoke Mr. Fenwick. "'An instant later there came another tremor, but it was not like that of an earthquake shock. "'It was more like the rumble and vibration of an approaching train. "'Look!' cried Tom, pointing to the left. "'Their gaze went in that direction, and under the light of a full moon they saw, "'sliding into the sea, a great portion of one of the rocky hills. "'A landslide!' cried Captain Mentor. "'The island is slowly breaking up.' it confirms my theory said mr parker almost in triumph forget your theory for a while parker please begged mr hosbrook we're lucky to have left a place on which to stand oh when will we be rescued he asked hopelessly the worst seemed to be over at least for the present and learning that the two ladies were quieted tob started up the hill to his wireless station mr damon and mr fenwick went with him to aid in starting the motor and dynamo Then, after the message had been clicked out as usual, Tom would begin his weary waiting. They found that the earthquake shock had slightly disturbed the apparatus, and it took them half an hour to adjust it. As there had been a delay on account of the landslide, it was eleven o'clock before Tom began sending out any flashes, and he kept it up until midnight. But there came no replies, so he shut off the power and prepared to get a little rest it looks pretty hopeless doesn't it said mr fenwick as he and mr damon were on their way back to the sleeping shack yes it does our signal hasn't been seen no ships have passed this way and our wireless appeal isn't answered it does look hopeless but do you know i haven't given up yet why not because i have faith in tom swift's luck declared the eccentric man if you had been with him as much as i have up in the air and under the water and have seen the tight places he has gotten out of you'd feel the same too perhaps but here there doesn't seem to be anything to do it all depends on someone else that's all right you leave it to tom he'll get an answer yet you see if he doesn't it was an hour past midnight tom tossed uneasily on the hard bed in the wireless shack the telephone receiver on his ear hurt him and he could not sleep i may as well sit up for a while he told himself and he arose in the dimness of the shack he could see the outlines of the dynamo and the motor guess i'll start her up and send out some calls he murmured i might just happen to catch some ship operator who is up late i'll try it the young inventor started the motor and soon the dynamo was purring away he tested the wireless apparatus it shot out great long sparks which snapped viciously through the air then in the silence of the night tom clicked off his call for help for the castaways of earthquake island for half an hour he sent it away into space none of the others in their shacks below him awakening then tom having worked off his restless fit was about to return to bed but what was this what was that clicking in the telephone receiver at his ear he listened It was not a jumble of dots and dashes conveying through space a message that meant nothing to him. No, it was his own call that was answered, the call of his station, E.I., Earthquake Island. Where are you? What's wanted? That was the message that was clicked to Tom from somewhere in the great void. I get your message, E.I. What's wanted? Do I hear you right? Repeat. Tom heard these questions in the silence of the night. With trembling fingers, Tom pressed his own key. Out into the darkness went his call for help. We are on Earthquake Island, he gave the longitude and latitude. Come quickly, or we will be engulfed in the sea. We are castaways from the yacht Resolute and the airship Whizzer. Can you save us? Came then this query. What's that about airship? Never mind airship, clicked Tom. Send help quickly. Who are you? The answer flashed to him through space. Steamship Cambrianian from Rio de Janeiro to New York just caught your message thought it a fake no fake tom sent back help us quickly how soon can you come there was a wait and the wireless operator clicked to tom that he had called the captain then came the report we will be there within twenty-four hours keep in communication with us you bet i will Flash back tom his heart beating joyously and then he let out a great shout we are saved we are saved my wireless message is answered a steamer is on her way to rescue us He rushed from the shack, calling to the others. What's that? demanded Mr. Hosbrook. Tom briefly told of how the message had come to him in the night. Tell them to hurry, begged the rich yacht owner. Say that I will give $20,000 reward if we are taken off. And I'll do the same, cried Mr. Jenks. I must get to the place where— Then he seemed to recollect himself and stopped suddenly. Tell them to hurry, he begged Tom. The whole crowd of castaways, save the women, were gathered about the wireless shack they'll need to hurry spoke mr parker the gloomy scientist the island may sink before morning mr hosbrook and the others glared at him but he seemed to take delight in his prediction suddenly the wireless instruments hummed another message whispered tom he listened the camberanian will rush here with all speed he announced and not a heart there on that lonely and desolate island but sent up a prayer of thankfulness chapter twenty three